Do you dream of wearing a hoodie or t-shirt bearing the intricate and mysterious design of a Han Dynasty bronze mirror? Or featuring one of our seasonal logos like the Dogu or Kofun Tomb? Make that dream come true at the podcast's official merch store, found at ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 3, Episode 7, The Clans of Yamato. The Yamato region in south-central Kansai has the distinction of birthing the imperial dynasty, but dynasties don't rise on their own. A network of powerful local clans each fulfilled an important function to both support the imperial family and, by their proximity, increase their own power in turn. In this episode, we're going to explore the major clans of the Kofun and Asuka period. But please be aware that this is by no means an exhaustive list of every clan. There were a number of minor clans which would gain prominence over time, and we'll introduce them when they become important. But these five clans were the major supporting powers of the Yamato dynasty, and, therefore, over most of Honshu, Shikoku, and, to a lesser extent, Kyushu. Keep in mind that Tohoku in the north still exists outside the Yamato court's authority, and that Kanto, while nominally subservient to the court, enjoys an existence that is fairly independent of the Kansai rulers. One further disclaimer as we begin. Although the Nihon Shoki, and indeed most academic works, refer to the rulers of Yamato in this period as emperors, that title, which in Japanese is Tenno, would not actually be used until much later in history. Thus, I will be referring to the Yamato dynasty rulers in this period as kings. But, to prevent confusion, I will still use their posthumous names for clarity. Just know that their names during their lives were different. I leave them for you to look up on your own if you're particularly curious. Because the power of the Yamato dynasty was intrinsically linked to the performance of rituals, we should start with the clans known to be responsible for maintaining and executing those rituals. The Inbei clan was one such group, and their role lay primarily in the performance of abstinence. Hopefully you recall from Season 2 that Yayoi religious customs included an abstaining person on boat voyages, and the existence of the Inbei clan leads us to assume that the practice of abstaining was an ancient one indeed for the Japanese. The name Inbei was the Japonic word for one such abstainer, who would forego eating, drinking, bathing, copulating, talking, pretty much everything. The underlying belief behind this practice was that the daily lives of the people in a community involve doing things which offend the kami who oversee the land, and that the abstainer was absorbing all the subsequent ritual uncleanliness on the community's behalf. The Inbei clan's primary area of responsibility was providing abstainers, as well as pronouncing taboos. 
Violating these taboos meant inviting the wrath of angry kami. So both the punishment of violators and the subsequent local purification rituals were considered vitally important. The Nakatomi were the other primary ritualist clan, though their specialty was the state-sponsored rituals which revolved around the Yamato monarch and, by extension, the entire nation. They were tasked with the twice-annual recital and performance of the Oharai, the great purification ritual, which is meant to cleanse the people of Wa of their offenses against the gods. The Oharai is still performed to this day by priests of the Issei Grand Shrine in Kansai. The Nakatomi clan benefited materially from their proximity to the throne and were greatly enriched by royal patronage, both in elaborate gifts and hereditary land grants. While their origins are in the governance of national rituals, they will eventually become one of the most powerful Yamato clans by the end of this season, so keep your ears open for them. While the Yamato dynasty's power was largely religious, they also required a military. There are two primary clans who specialized in the raising of armies and the prosecution of royal armed disputes. While the Nihon Shoki and Kojiki tell of Yamato kings leading armies into battle, by the Kofun period this was largely the province of his trusted generals, though kings would lead armies when attempting to resolve violent succession disputes. The Mononobe and Otomo clans were generally militant organizations tasked with leading armies against the Yamato king's enemies. The Mononobe claimed to have descended from the original rulers of the Yamato region from before the legendary Emperor Jimu laid claim to their home. The Nihon Shoki attests that the rulers of Yamato at the time of King Jimu's conquest submitted once he informed them that he was descended from the sun goddess Amaterasu. And it is possible that the Mononobe themselves believed in this origin story during the Kofun and Asuka periods. This brings us at last to the Soga clan. The Soga claims to have been founded by a great-grandson of King Kogen, who was himself a legendary sovereign whose actual existence is doubtful. Nevertheless, they thought he was real, and likely so did their peers. While the other major clans were primarily known for their religious or military focus, the Soga seemed to have specialized in political manipulation. Throughout the 500s and 600s CE, the Soga managed to monopolize the court title of Oomi, an important title which was ranked just below that of Okimi, which was the king himself. The Soga dominated the court throughout the late Kofun and nearly the entirety of the Asuka period, primarily through marriage. The king needed to produce heirs, and the chiefs of the Soga became very skillful at arranging marriages to their daughters. The social structure in Japan was already highly familial, and respect for the elders in one's family was paramount. Thus, by making themselves into the fathers-in-law of the kings, they could manipulate said kings into policies which worked to their advantage. Their power became even more potent when the children of these kings came of age and came under the influence of their soga grandfathers. 
The Soga leverage their familial ties with the king into an official role, which is somewhat similar to the modern Secretary of State. They maintained contact with the powers of the Korean Peninsula, as well as China. They seemed to have developed an affinity for Korean statecraft and Chinese philosophy, and they continually lobbied the king to reform the government and adopt more Confucian methods. The head of every clan, whether powerful or humble, was recognized by a political standing called a kabane by the Yamato court. These titles and ranks became hereditary over time, leading to a stratified aristocracy. In general, the two highest ranks were Omi and Muraji. Clans whose leaders received the title of Omi were allegedly descended from an imperial ancestor, while those whose rank was Muraji were alleged to have descended from one of the gods. In practice, their authority in court was about the same, leading to further designations among them by adding the O honorific to the beginning of the title of the Omi or Muraji, who singularly retained command over the others. By the 500 CE, the chiefs of the Soga clan held a monopoly on the title of Omi, which meant that the other Omi clans were expected to obey them. Spanning approximately that same period, the Mononobe clan likewise held the title of Omuraji. The Kabane system also recognized lower-ranking titles throughout the country, but in many places this was a nominal recognition only. The Yamato court might have claimed to be the rightful rulers over all Japan, but in practice they were usually wise enough not to ask too much of the landed gentry, or Kunino Miyatsuko. It is believed that the Yamato court dispensed these titles initially, but by the 500s they had become hereditary. It's difficult to know the precise disposition of the Yamato court at the beginning of the 500s. According to the sources, King Buretsu was still reigning, but in this account we begin to encounter problems. The Nihon Shoki paints Buretsu as a cruel tyrant, openly comparing him to King Di Xin of the Shang dynasty. The likely reason for these accusations resemble the motives behind the Zhou dynasty's original defamation. Buretsu's successor was not his direct issue. King Keitai, who allegedly ascended the throne in 507 CE, was attested to be a great-great-grandson of the previous King Ojin. Because such an extended descent is difficult enough to prove even in modern times, many historians believe that Keitai was actually the first monarch of a new dynasty, and that efforts to demonize his predecessor were intended to discourage contemporary historians from digging too deeply into Keitai's lineage. Adding fuel to this theory, Keitai did not enter the Yamato region for the first two decades of his reign, but held his ascension ceremony in Osaka, which at the time was called Kusuba, and essentially held court in that area, just north of the Nara Basin. He married one of Buretsu's sisters and fathered three sons, who would each take his place in their turns after his death. Eventually, he would rule from Yamato, 
but it seems that the people of the Nara Basin weren't the only ones unconvinced by this upstart king. A man named Iwai, who may have been a powerful regional governor in Kyushu, rebelled against the Yamato court in 527, launching an uprising that would later be named for him, Iwai no Ran. King Keitai appointed his Omuraji Mononobe no Arakabi to lead an army in response, and the rebellion was defeated. This would not be the last time that northern Kyushu became the headquarters of a rebellion. Keitai, like Buretsu before him, does not have confirmed dates attached to his reign, but both kings are usually placed in the most likely did exist column. After King Keitai died in 531, his son Ankan ascended the throne and is credited with a large construction project wherein state-controlled granaries were built nationwide. This would have been a very expensive project, but also a very forward-looking one. Excess grain could be collected in taxes and then distributed during times of crop shortages. The Yamato court takes, but it also provides. King Ankan is said to have died without producing children in 536 after a reign of just five years. If his birth year is to be believed, however, he would have been around 70 years old upon his passing. His brother took up the reins of power next, remembered as King Senka, and ruled for a mere three years from 536 to 539, likewise dying in his early 70s, if we trust the Nihon Shoki's record of his birth year. At the beginning of his short reign, a new man would inherit the rank of Omi and set into motion one of the most dramatic events in early Japanese history. The man's name was Soga no Iname, and he was now both the chief of the Soga clan and arguably the most powerful man in the Yamato court. Apart from the occasional domestic disturbance within the kingdom of Wa, the court's primary area of concern was with the Korean peninsula. In the early 500s, King Muryeong of Baekje sent tribute which, according to the Nihon Shoki, infuriated King Buretsu because Baekje had not sent tribute for many years before this. To help calm the situation, King Muryeong sent his second son, Prince Junda, to the Yamato court as a hostage in an effort to convince the king to send military assistance. Prince Junda would live on Japan his whole life, and his descendants will eventually find their way into the imperial line, but it will be a few centuries from now. The Nihon Shoki relates a story in which King Murieyong sent an envoy asking special permission to annex parts of the Gaia Confederation. This is in keeping with the Nihon Shoki's claim that Empress Jinggu established a military colony in South Korea, an event which most historians generally doubt. The Baekje king was asking permission because he recognized that the land rightfully belonged to Japan. However, King Keitai in 512 ordered Mononobe no Arakabi, the same man who would later suppress the Iwai rebellion on Kyushu, to deliver his permission to the king of Baekje. Mononobe no Arakabi, serving as Omuraji, first agreed to do this, but then, on the advice of his wife, 
pretended to be severely ill because the couple agreed that the land rightfully belonged to Japan and that the king was wrong to give it away. I don't think there's any need to understand this incident as anything more than the Nihon Shoki trying to maintain internal consistency, but there definitely seems to be a kernel of truth in this story that while it would be inappropriate for courtiers to outright refuse to obey the Yamato king's orders, they created many ways to countermand them without resorting to open disobedience or sedition. Even though Mononobe no Arakabi seems to have retained his position in spite of his failure to execute the king's will, not every courtier would be so lucky. This brings us to the life of Otomo no Kanamura, who held the rank of Omuraji for many decades throughout the 500s. In 498, an Omi named Heguri no Matori attempted to seize power when King Ninken died. The Nihon Shoki claimed that he treated the crown prince with contempt and acted as though he held authority over the boy. When the prince, who would shortly become King Buretsu, discovered that Matori's son had secretly arranged to marry a woman which the prince himself was also in love with, he murdered Matori's son and immediately sought the help of the Otomo chief Kanamura. Chief Kanamura helped Buretsu overthrow Omi Heguri no Matori and take his rightful place on the throne. After the former Omi was dead and the dust of the coup had settled, the newly crowned King Buretsu helped secure King Keitai's place on the throne in spite of any dubious lineage. He continued his work as a high-ranking member of the Yamato court for many years and through many emperors, and by all accounts was a man of foresight and patience. However, Otomo no Kanamura did have one issue upon which he was far too passionate, Japan's involvement on the Korean peninsula. Far from being simply a warmonger, Kanamura had sent his own son, Satehiko, into battle against Koguryo in 537 and constantly argued at court for more resources to be diverted toward a war against both Koguryo and Silla. Brief disclaimer, he seems to have been motivated by a desire for expansion, not necessarily a love for poor Baikjai, who was constantly petitioning the Yamato court for help. In 540, everything came to a head. Otomo no Kanamura argued passionately for a new invasion of Silla, likely expecting his fellow Omuraji, Mononobe no Okoshi, to support him. The chief of the Mononobe, however, not only offered no support, but actively and vehemently opposed Kanamura's proposal of war with Silla. The two fell into a heated argument over it, so much so that when the newly crowned King Kimmei sided with the Mononobe and thus peace with Silla, he also removed Otomo no Kanamura from his role at the court. Baikjai and Silla would eventually make peace with one another and seize the Han River Valley from the Koguryo in 551. Seemingly eager to get Japan's assistance in their quest to dislodge Koguryo from the rest of their former territory, Baikje sent an unexpected gift as tribute in 552 CE. While Baikje had officially adopted Buddhism almost 200 years before, the religion had not yet spread to Japan, at least not through official channels. 
The gift which King Seong sent to the Yamato court was an image of the Buddha along with a set of relevant scriptures, which in Buddhism are called sutras. This put King Kimmei in an awkward position because he did not want to offend the king of Baekje, but his entire office was built on a native religion whose primary supporters disliked the idea of foreign competition. The Mononobe and Otomo both opposed the idea of the king accepting these gifts, and they were joined by the Nakatomi and Inbe. Omi Soga no Iname, however, greatly admired the state structure of Baikje and was a persistent champion of reforming the Yamato court so that it would more closely resemble that of Baikje. He either volunteered to accept the gifts or was simply given them by the emperor, and so he took them and placed them in his family shrine. While most of the Yamato court breathed a sigh of relief that controversy had once more been avoided, this relief would not last long. 552 is generally marked as the year in which the Kofun period ended, as it is the year in which Buddhism is introduced to Japan. Next time, we'll take a step back and briefly stroll through the history of Buddhism and more closely examine the precise nature of the sect which Baikche had introduced to the Japanese king. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at A History of Japan. Visit the online store, ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com, and find us on the web, ahistoryofjapan.com. 